0: Okay, I'm going to ask you this as we get started. I'm going to give you a a series of phrases. Look at the phrases. I'll give you a couple minutes so you can talk about, not a couple minutes, but give you a minute or so. You can can banter about with the people sitting next to you, and you determine, and then once you figure this out, then we'll go through all of them. Are these phrases, phrases that are in the Bible, not the concept, but the phrase? I know that there might be variation with translation, but you'll get the gist of it. Does the Bible have the phrase, this too shall pass? Does it have the phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness? I'll give you about a minute to think through which ones are, which ones aren't. You work with the somebody next to you if you'd like. Clock is going. Do, 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 do. You at home be doing this as well. See if you can figure out which they are. Some are, some aren't. And I can tell you for sure, they're not all in or not all out. It's a mixture. This is not a poll, this is not a survey, okay? So it's not what you all think as a majority or what you have. Let's take them phrase by phrase. This too shall pass, in the Bible or not? No. Okay. It came to pass, shows up over 400 times, but this too shall pass, the people say, oh, this too shall pass, the Bible says. It's not a phrase in the Bible. That's a no. God helps those who help themselves. Okay, you got it. That one, that one, the majority rules. Okay. Okay. Once saved, always saved. Concept, but not the phrase. Okay, that's a no. Spare the rod, spoil the child. But is that phrase in there? Spare the rod, spoil the child. Now that's poor Richard's almanac. Okay, that's that's not in the Bible. You're correct. Money is the root of all evil. The love of money. Okay, there you go. The lion shall lay with the lamb. Oh, now what happened to the... The absolute conviction of yes or no. Actually, what would you say? Okay, that's not the phrase. Okay, it's really close. That phrase that shows up in Isaiah is the wolf shall lay down with the lamb. It's not the lion. Show moderation in all things. No, it's not there. It's not there. Cleanliness is next to godliness. No? Just to see if you were, the, you were just, just test you. Okay. Uh, fight the good fight. Yep. First Timothy. Uh, I'm sorry, it shouldn't say God. It should say go. Okay. That makes a difference, I know. Okay. The idea of go the extra mile. Yeah, it is. It is. It's when, when uh, John is preaching and telling people with repentance, you know, go the extra mile. The blind leading the blind. Oh come on, come on, it's yes or no. So yeah, yeah <laughs> okay it is it is and if you can't see it's Matthew five forty one and then Matthew fifteen fourteen. so those phrases are in the Bible the reason I just want to throw this up is a lot of us we hear things we pick up things and we're not sure is it isn't it isn't it and especially for a young person a young Christian in Christ they need to really understand what's in the Bible what's not in the Bible because sometimes even we see religious films and we hear songs and we are convinced oh that's in the Bible because I saw you know Charlton Heston do that in Moses. Therefore it must be in the Bible. And we assume that. And So what we're talking about is what we want to do is we started this ministry with the idea that what we wanted to do is not only uh, reach out but first of all make sure that we are understanding what does the Bible teach. Are we confident we know what the Bible teaches? Are we confident in the sense that we can share what we know to be true and how do we share that especially with the idea okay we want to witness to our neighbors train our children talk to somebody else about the gospel, we need to know what we're saying and be confident in that to help connect and disciple other people. And then we're supposed to be discipling, so let's target with prayer, saying, I want to pray for this person, reach out to this person, disciple this person to do the Great Commission. So this whole ministry was that in design, and we're going through this book called Foundations, and where we're at in this booklet at this point is chapter 8, we're on page 124 this evening. 124, as we continue through, And again, some of you who picked up the hard copy notes here this evening, uh, or you got them off your internet that we emailed, those are from edition number one, so they might be a variation of numbers by a page or two, and uh, follow along, but basically we're going to the same material. I'm going to bore you this evening, some of the paragraphs I'm going to read. The reason I'm going to do that is because if you're using this as material to train, I want to highlight some things in the paragraph, but I want to also expand upon that. And so, let me start with this idea, have you ever played games? games. My, my grandson is infamous for doing this. We will play a game, and all of a sudden he'll say, "Time out. Okay, time out." OK? Or gamestop is his thing. Gamestop. I have new rules for this game. <laughs> the new rules are, you can't give me tags back. It's only the two of us playing. Who am I supposed to tag? And he changes the rules. Now I don't know where he gets that from, my my son claims he learned it from me. That, that's the way I played games, when my kids were beating me, time out, okay, new rule change. And so in this idea that where we're going in the study, and this is very important, especially when we get into the discussion that we're going to get into this evening, this part of the discussion is, why do bad things happen? Why is temptation present? One of the thoughts we have to remember is God doesn't change the rules. God established how life was going to play out. He established how he was going to let things play out. He has not, will not change the rules from what he initially started. So with that in mind, we have to go all the way back is, what did God God do what was what was the setup from the very beginning especially with this idea of evil temptation sin coming into the world some of this is so basic you understand but if you're teaching a new believer somebody you're sharing the gospel with I think some of this will be helpful for you to just rehearse and help them to understand so as we go by the back up a little bit let's talk about this idea of when how did temptation evil enter into the world this is a truth okay Okay, just to put, start somewhere. He could have created the world without sin or any corruption. Is that a truth, yes or no? God could have done that. Not only could he, he did, he did. Okay, that's a very important thought. You have to help people to understand. God did not create a world with sin or corruption. He could have created Satan as a good moral being. And not only could he have done it, he did, he did. That's an important thought. He could have created the world without the possibility of evil ever entering into it in any way. He could have. He could have created creation to be perfect and to remain perfect forever and ever. That's a fact. Our God could have done that. Okay? He could have created man without the ability or chance to choose between good and evil. That's a truism. Okay? Can I take it a step further? He could have created man to always and only do good. Or he could have created man that he had the propensity to always do evil. Okay? But God didn't do that okay? The fact is he could have chosen to create man without the ability, but that's not the way he worked. The rules that he set in place, God chose to create man with the ability, key word here, the ability to choose. Key word. Key word as you're just thinking theologically. He chose to create angels with the ability to choose good or evil, but in their case, it seems to be a one time only. They chose, they're done. They're confirmed in righteousness or unrighteousness. Since man chose disobedience, and the key phrase, key word is, since, you're supposed to answer the next thing. Man chose, okay, since man chose disobedience at the encouragement of Satan, all people, all creation suffer the consequences at, of the effects of sin. That's part of this whole setup, the way it has been designed, the way the game of life is being played, is that in reality, people say, why doesn't God, why doesn't God, as if who's to blame? It's not God. It's not God. Okay, who is to blame? Mankind. Mankind. We're, we're, to be, we're to blame. We're to blame okay? Human race, the human nature. Since Adam temptation, since Adam blank, temptation has afflicted all men. That's a truism as well, okay? If man continues to choose evil personally, okay, if men do that, individuals, they will be punished. That's part of this this rules that God has set up. And then we say this, but if man, any man, chooses to repent, they will be forgiven and be reconciled with God. That's the blessing. That's the grace of God. That is not what man deserves. We're right back to the grace and the goodness of God. Though forgiven, such believers who are forgiven will continue to face temptations in this life until they enter heaven. That's a fact. Okay, why is that? Part of it is because of the consequences of man's choice. It's not God's fault. It's Man's fault. We got. We got to go back to this basic thought. It's not God's fault. Did God create a sinless creation that was perfect? He did. Did He give every reason and incentive for obedience? Absolutely. Did He give warning? Absolutely. It's not God's fault. Okay, now try to convince people in our day and age because people don't want to take responsibility. Okay, but this is basic Bible theology that you have to understand yourself but also communicate to young Christians. So these basic facts, God did not create evil. God never promoted evil. God never tempted or tempts anyone. The temptation in the Garden of Eden, it was not God. God saying, Satan, go after him. That is not the case. God gave, gives every reason and incentive for people to resist, not only to Adam, but also to us. Does God give us warnings and reasons? To do right? Absolutely. The presence of temptation, therefore, is man's fault. The recurring temptations to evil we face are often due, and this is true on a personal level. A lot of the issues and temptations I face, and I shouldn't say we, I should say leave it just personally, but a lot of the difficulties I face are because of choices I made in the past. Patterns I set. Um, The Bible talks about all of us having besetting sins. Okay, we chose to do something that became a pattern in our lives. Okay, and so part of the temptations that we have in those same areas is Satan and his cohorts, they know what we have chosen in the past and they use them against us. So keeping this in mind, some of the challenges, sometimes we, we create patterns, sometimes we put ourselves in dumb situations. And so to say, well, it's God's fault. We still have responsibility for what we choose and the consequences. I'm gonna, I want you to think through this last one. God will one day put an end to all evil. Do you believe that? Okay, you know he's going to do that. But he is patient in doing so. Why? Could God stop all temptation and evil right now? Why doesn't he? What's that? Yeah, what did you say? Yeah, that's the passage you're both saying the same thing the Lord is long suffering to us word not willing that any should perish okay so God is his patience is because of grace towards mankind okay does that mean it's easy for us no still difficult but why is God belaying delaying this idea of getting rid of Satan getting rid of the evil because he's still giving people a choice a chance And so that's the basic rules that we go by, that God lives by. So that that gives us, when we talk about the reasons of temptation, your booklet doesn't deal with this. what we've just said initially. It it goes into some other areas that we're going to jump into. But that is really key to just helping people to understand that that is a a real truism, temptations, and I'm talking both the enticements to do evil or the difficulties. The temptations are a consequence of man's choosing to go against God's rules at the very beginning, despite all that God had given and was doing for mankind. So one of the reasons when we say, why why is there temptations? Because man opened up Pandora's box and brought them into the world. And Satan's running rampant, and God is choosing to allow it to continue so that people make the right choice. And he gives incentive, he gives reason, and all that encouragement. Now, let's get into your materials. That There's a paragraph that goes this way. For centuries, people have wondered, why does God allow temptation? He certainly could have created Adam and Eve without the possibility of sinning. As strange as it sounds, temptations do show some benefits we enjoy. Now, you're going to be talking to somebody, and you're going to be explaining, and So understand, this is a tug-in-cheek. There are some benefits. There is some beauty here of what do temptations reveal. We talked about this last time, just quickly. Temptations offer a test of love. God could have created mankind without temptations or the choice of giving into temptations. And we say that's true. But if he had, we would be robotic. We would be, we would be individual free will. We would obey God, but not by choice, but because we have to. We, we have no choice. And we talked about this. Then we would been, uh, not be moral creatures. We talked about we would not have the ability to make moral choices. Our love for God would have been involuntarily a forced situation. God doesn't want to force us. He wants us to love out of appreciation. We love Him because it's a response to Him. Not because we have to. We have to do that. And so such love would not be genuine from our hearts. We need to have that freedom to choose that love. Okay, so we continue in that thought. And we looked at these verses. If you haven't written it in, make sure you write this down. He says, those who love the Lord hate evil. How does this passage demonstrate? Not everyone loves the Lord, we said. Not automatically, some don't. Those who love God, they reject evil. He goes on, that idea of rejection, resisting. In contrast, there's an active display of preference for God. That is the idea of loving God. Because God wanted an intimate, genuine relationship with beings, he allows all people the opportunity to show their love towards him okay? by giving them the choice to reject temptations, which at times can be very, very strong. We have a big choice, and we're compelled by the desires to say no to God, but then we're compelled by the Spirit to say yes to God. So it's, it's all playing in this whole idea by resisting, we show we prefer God over selfish desires. And we talked about that idea, and we used um, Dan Patrick, who is just the week before his wedding, we used him as the in- illustration that if he says, you know, if the preacher, pastor, doing the ceremony would say, Do you take this woman to be your wife and commit yourself and be faithful? And if he went, Hmm, um, maybe. What should she do? smack them a good one and walk away. Okay. You, the commitment has to be total, but it has to come from the heart and that's that whole idea that temptations give an opportunity for people to cho- choose. That's a basic thought, basic idea that was very important. Then your materials reminds you what Jesus said in uh, John chapter 8. Here is a passage if you love me keep my commandments. If anybody loves me and we said okay how do we prove our love? Well we would obey him. We would follow him. I mean, we talked about that idea of choosing. We Went through all these notes last time, okay? That the believer in love with the Lord wants to obey. And that gets into that whole subject of the idea of you and I following Him. We choose to live righteously because of appreciation for him. Temptations offer an opportunity. We didn't get into this. It offers an opportunity for obedience. We're going to be in Job. And that's where we want to start. Just as temptations, and there's a couple paragraphs I really want to highlight in your notes. Just as temptation gives an opportunity to sin, they also give us an opportunity to not sin, to obey God. Similar to what we just said, but watch how he develops it. Job is an example of facing serious temptations the temptations of trials and troubles, but also with that, the enticement to reject God, to choose to curse God and give up on him. And so with that in mind, okay, let me ask you this question. Okay, this isn't in your, in your page paper, but I want to, if you're explaining this to somebody, what type of losses in the sense of trials, what type of losses did Job face? Yeah, the many is true give me some specific he lost family his health he lost his health he lost his wealth what do you mean by position yep yep exactly remember he sat in the gates but now he's sitting in the dump as we talked about what else did he lose all his friends the three that hung around you know they basically kicked him while he was down but even do you remember that loss of friends remember some of his relatives wouldn't even come around him during that period of time can you think of anything else he lost i think we covered all a lot of those things his children his possessions oh he lost his servants who would be companions and people. He lost his standing in the community, his social interaction. He lost the ability to provide for, like, the widows of his servants and their children. Remember, he bemoans that fact. I can't even take care of the people who were relying upon me. Uh, he, He lost his own health, and that was weeks and months that he talks about all that. And he also lost his wife's encouragement. Right? Remember, she basically says, curse God and die Okay, not the most positive statement okay, and we, when we talked about that we talked about she was hurting too we understand where that's coming from but um, and he even says don't you're speaking as a foolish woman yeah he even he kindly rebukes her in that situation okay these are the losses these are the trials slash temptations in that vein of, of difficulties that he faced. And they were very serious and all of it was by design from Satan's perspective, what did he want to do? He did this to get Job to turn against God, sin against God, rebel against God. Okay, you have that down. Now in your notes, it's, there's this pay this thought. Job offers a tremendous example of the privilege of being tempted. This is me, okay? When I first read that, I go, what? What do you mean about the privilege of being tempted? How does this work? Now, again, that's one author's explanation, but you're using the material, and I wanted you to just got, let's flesh this out for a little bit. What do we mean by that? So it says, yeah, there's a privilege here. You bet. Read Job chapter 1. Okay, so we take our Bibles, we're headed for Job chapter 1. And we start reading of the event. Job chapter 1, verse 1, there was a man in the land of Uz, uh, Uz, not Oz, whose name was Job. That man was perfect, upright one that feared God, eschewed, or put away evil. There were born unto him the seven sons, the three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep. So you're reading this with somebody that you're doing the Bible study with and you're trying to help them to understand 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 chiasses, a very great household. You're trying to get them to understand all that represents what? Great wealth. Okay, he's, he's, you know, he's a billionaire by our standards. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. His sons went, they feasted in their houses, every one his days, sent and called for their three sisters to come eat, drink with them. And so it was when the days of the feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them, rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings according to the number of all his kids. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned, cursed God in their hearts. He did this continually. What do we, what do we conclude about him? Not only was he a wealthy man, What's that? Spiritual man. Right, right. He's, he's really, really praying for and in, invested in his children's spiritual well-being as their intercessor, human intercessor. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. This helps now, giving what, what they're talking about. There was a day when the sons of God, who are, if somebody's unfamiliar with that, who are the sons of God? angels. There's a day when the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, where did you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and and down in it. And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? Perfect, upright man, one that fears God, escheweth evil. Job answered and said, does Job fear God for no reason or for not? Have you not made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands. His substance is increased in the land. But you put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, and he's going to curse you to your face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only upon himself put not forth your hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. How does this show that Job was... Privileged to be tempted. God himself, God himself knew how Job was. Yeah. Where you at? Okay. Yeah, I, I I think that I think that goes right with right exactly with it. Okay. Let's 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 develop that a little bit. Okay. Job's severe temptations came came as a result of his godliness. Okay, godliness that was apparent to everyone, everyone, right? This isn't a hidden godliness. This is a very apparent godliness, okay? And God bragged on him for his godliness. True? Okay, God even, God even directs Satan to consider my servant Job. Okay, because Job has, has, has this outstanding testimony. Satan is moved against Job's godliness So, here's my point. Godliness is noticed by God in others. And it sparked this temptation in that setting, including Satan, who sees it as a threat that must be destroyed. What is is the positive out of Satan's response to want to tempt Job? I think this is one of them. Temptations often indicate you must be doing something right to warrant spiritual attacks. Okay? Do you follow what I'm getting at? If you're already spiritually enslaved, you're already in bondage. But Job is a threat, and so part of the temptations and the attacks on you that you experience are an indication that you know there's there's an enemy who wants to destroy you because you're you are a threat to them. You are doing some things right. Okay, one positive. Let me take a step further. Okay, which I think is developing what you had suggested. Job's temptations came with God's permission. Right? Okay, is that true in the text? Okay, it's true in the text. Satan could not have attacked Job without God's consent, and he was limited in the extent of his attacks. Okay, correct. Okay, Therefore, let's, let's point this out. Temptations often demonstrate God's confidence in you as he won't allow you to be tempted above that you are. So is there something positive in the attacks? God displayed full confidence that Job could handle it. And God's convinced, I'm not going to give you more than you can handle. Now why did Job have so much to handle Well, God knew what he could do and what he couldn't do. Why is it some of us don't have anything near what Job had? God knows us. God knows that we're weak people. But if I I understand where they're going with some of this material and trying to draw out what are the privileges, what are the positives of the temptation, those would be the two that I would want to explain, that there is the sense that you're a threat and they're going to be attacked. And number two, God has confidence in you. Though God could stop it, this is the way the rules are playing right now, but God limits it. He doesn't stop it. He limits it saying, I won't allow you to be tempted above that you are able. How does Job respond? Well, you all know. Flip to the end of the same chapter. The end of the same chapter. We all read this. We admired this when we were going through the study of Job last August, September. We were enamored with the fact that it states in these verses that Job arose, verse 20, and he shaves his head, falls down, worships. That, that amazes me that he worships. And he says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. The Lord gave. The Lord hath taken away. Blessed be in the name of the Lord. In all this, Job, what's your Bible say? Sin not, nor did he blame God, charge God foolishly. Okay, And then in chapter 2, verse 10, we have that same conversation where it says, he rebukes his wife, he says, you speak as a foolish woman, shall we not receive good at the hand of God, not evil? And then the last phrase, in all of this did not Job what do you have? Sin with his lips. Okay, very good. And so he didn't get mad or turn away from the Lord, he blessed the name of the Lord, he submits to the Lord's sovereign choices, he's not Think this one through. We mentioned it, but probably didn't develop it well enough when we went through the series. He was not possessed by his possessions. That is not the American way. Okay, But he saw his possessions as a gift from God, and gifts that God could give or God could take away. And God has that right. He clearly shared his, clearly shared his pain and his questions with God. Doesn't blame God, but he's like, God, I don't understand. And he was very, very transparent in that. But he did not attack God in any way throughout this whole situation. He had the opportunity to obey God despite Satan's accusations. Which leads us to this whole idea that temptations offer an opportunity to obey. They give us a chance to not only express love, but to show obedience. Hebrews chapter 4. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. In Satan's temptation of Jesus, it's recorded in Matthew 4. You're familiar, we'll probably visit that again next week. Though tempted, what is stated in John chapter 8 verse 29 that is an amazing statement? Well, in order for you to have that person answer it, they have to go where? John chapter 8. 29. Let's do it. John chapter 8 verse 29. Let's find out what that amazing statement is about Jesus. And once you turn there, this is in Jesus talking. It's after he's done one of the miracles on the Sabbath day. He's being attacked. He's being accused. He's showing and talking about his deity and his greatness. Look at verse 29 where Jesus is saying, he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. The last phrase. I do. What? What? I do always these, those things that please who? Okay, so what's the amazing statement? He always did the things that pleased the Father. Now, the key words here, always, all things, correct? Okay, very clear, very clear. There's a big discrepancy between us and Jesus Christ. Do we always please the Father? Do we please the Father in all things? No, no. The, we, that's where we, we fall, we struggle, we battle. The, we, Nate, you need to insert this. This is the critical point to insert. This is really, really an important thought that you want to insert right here. Is being tempted sinning against God? No. This is very important again. Because do you remember when you were first saved that you struggled and some thoughts would come back in your mind and you saw, oh, I thought that again okay? And you, you, feel, you felt guilty because that was something you didn't want to do. When did it become sin? When does it become sin? Let's take the example of Christ, okay? The example of Christ, Jesus was without sin, but he was not without temptation. Therefore, temptation does not equal sin, Okay, you can be tempted like Jesus was and still be without sin which Jesus was. Temptation itself does not mean you have committed sin. When does it become sin? When you let it fester, foster and act upon it. That's when we cross the line. Otherwise it would work this way. Otherwise if I said, hey Barb, tomorrow the banks are closed. Okay? There will be nobody there. Let's you and I rob the bank. Okay. Has she sinned? Well, she's going like this. Okay. (laughs) Church discipline. Yeah. Okay. Okay. By me saying that to her, has she sinned? No. 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 It's if she were to say, (laughs) let's plan it. Okay. I'll meet you at such a time. Okay. Temptations then give, now what they do in your notes, they take, and I think, I think it's clear that what they do with the word temptation, now they're using that other idea of temptation, the trials and the troubles, which you all understand, we're headed to James chapter 2. Most of you know this by heart. Most of you can quote this passage. But James 2, you're taking that, that James 1, excuse me, you're taking that new believer there, you're going to make sure they understand this passage, which is a key passage of training your kids training your, your unsaved relatives, and you've got them in the book of James, and you're saying, okay, according to James 1, 2 through 4, believers are commanded to, to do, what are believers commanded to do when they are, encounter trials and difficulties? Temptations. That's the idea of that. Challenges temptations, which are trials and difficulties that may include enticement to do evil. And these temptations to sin that normally accompany them. Okay, I'm in James chapter 2 verse 1. I keep saying 2, excuse me. James 1 verse 2. My brethren, count it see, you know this well enough. Count it all joy not if when you fall into different, different styles, polka dotted, different colored temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Let patience have her, my, my King James reads, perfect work. The idea is perfecting or maturing work. It's more of a verbiage idea, a verbal idea than it is a, you know, a, a subject matter. That you may be Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Okay, so we look at that and say, "Okay, let's answer this." Okay, what are believers commanded to do when they encounter trials? You got to let's do the answers. Be joyful. Okay, we're to rejoice, reckon in our minds all joy. Why? Hey, I'm so excited! I had a car accident today. Yoo-hoo! Okay, We don't respond outwardly that way but the concept is in your mind. In your mind. What do we do? We count joy because what? What's that? Okay there's a good answer. God's counting us worthy and and he's confident in us we can handle. We can face this thing. There's a blessing. Anything else? It helps us to grow. It helps us to grow. Okay, this week we replaced some of the windows. We didn't, but the people came in. And in the daylight you could see, well, in fact, you can see uh, the two on this side didn't get replaced. How do you know they're different? The, the, double pane, single pane. Okay, and this morning you could tell different, you would have been able to see because they were filled up with fog in the middle of the windows, those two yet this morning. And so when they came in to do this, you know, it was one of those remodeling projects that they said we're going to be here for just two days. You can tell they're coming back. Because what happened with the remodeling project? Okay, Bob, since you're involved with this one, what happened to our remodeling project? It's going to take longer than we thought Okay. <laughs> Isn't that normal? Okay. And so things didn't go the way they should. And the guys who were here were really gracious about it they felt terrible they felt really bad that things didn't go the way that they should have and uh, you know without even realizing what i was doing i just responded to the guy I said it's not your problem it's not your fault you know let's see what anything good came out of it well something good came out of it i learned this week how to take pews out you know i never knew that before okay I never knew how to how to remove our pews but we learned how to remove pews so if we have to I know how, or I, actually, I know how to rig the pews so that you can't sit in them. So, you're in the back row in the next few weeks, okay? But it was a learning experience. There's some benefits. There's some, you know, and I talked with the one gentleman. I said, This means you have to come back and talk some more to me because we had the opportunity to be able to talk about the Lord. And so, is there a benefit that he may come back now and we'll have further discussions? Yeah, so can we live with those windows? Yeah, and it's just a matter of uh, altering the way we think. And looking at it, and, and I'm, I'm just surprised I even had a positive attitude about it. Because that's not my norm, when things don't go the way they should. And I guess I'm the only one in the room that responds that way normally. But this was like, oh hey, I grew a little bit. Oh, that was cool. I grew. I, 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 made, I made some advancement for a change. And so that's what this passage is talking about. Counting it joy. The reasons that are given, trials and temptations produce maturity. Not only do they show God's confidence in you, they help develop you. They produce patience. They help complete us as we've the wanting nothing means no gaps. That God is really filling in every little nuance where he sees where you need to grow, I need to grow. Trials and temptations, they're great tools for us to grow. So one of the things that all of us who have been saved any length of time, we jokingly, tongue-in-cheek say, don't pray for growth or patience. Why? Because we say, as soon as we pray for patience, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's going to be difficulty, so we know that. But here's the point, there, are, there is a benefit to those trials. They help us to grow. They really do. How, how did the babies that you raise, how did they learn to walk? The trial and error. And was there error in their walking? Okay. Did they learn at times, did they learn not to touch the furnace or the heater? Okay. So there was a benefit that would help them later on. And some of the different things in, in just us growing, that tumbling, that fall, that, that idea of, okay, you know, I, I ought to be more careful as, as an infant going down the steps. I need to hold a hand. Otherwise, I'm going to go, okay. Those are growing experiences in the same way for us spiritually. And so there's a paragraph that I wanted to highlight in your notes that I would like you to circle, highlight, because I think what they said was really, really important. Difficulties are used by the Lord to bring spiritual progress. Described as patience in verse 3, and perfect and entire in verse 4. As was mentioned earlier, trials are not intended merely to prove you, but also to improve you. Wasn't that great? Isn't that good the way they state that? like a chisel in the hand of a gifted sculptor so God uses temptation to shape your character painful yes, worthwhile absolutely what a wonderful paragraph and by the way if we can teach baby Christians this will that benefit them in the the road oh yeah this is a fabulous truth tremendous truth do our kids need to learn this do our grandkids absolutely That trials don't mean God hates you or is against you, but God is for you. What a tremendous, tremendous truth. That's important. Okay, then he goes into Romans chapter 8 that a lot of you know. The Romans chapter 8 talks about all things work together. Okay, to them that. Okay, very important. But to finish it out, there's the next verse that goes with it that is very important. You're taking through the Bible study. I just want to make sure that you catch this verse as well. Not only in your notes, but in your hearts. And we know, verse 28, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to His purpose. The next verse, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be it doesn't say to be saved. It doesn't say to get born again. That doesn't. That's not what the verse says. He predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many. Okay. Now, for that to happen, does is salvation have to happen? Yes. Does sanctification have to happen? Yes. Does justification have to happen? Yes. Does glorification have to happen? Yes. That's the process. But what he predestinated us to do is to become like Jesus Christ. That's the key the key thought in this theological passage. God's desire for me is to be like Jesus Christ. Key thought. Key thought. Okay, in all of the difficulties. You know this, you understand this, but again, you're rehearsing it, reminding somebody that the difficulties that they're going through, they're going to face is to become more like Jesus Christ. This is what God has determined, predestinated, predetermined. For all of us, we are going to become like Christ. In this life, to the best of our abilities, God is trying, moving with us. Eventually, when we're glorified, we will actually become like Christ. That is what's been predetermined. That is what has been set in the course of eternity past that we are going to become conformed to the image of Christ. So God has trials, and uh, Christ had the trials, temptations. We will too. We need to respond the same way he did. So let's ask this question. Job 23. Do you remember Job 23? Is anybody still in Job? Okay. Job 23, verse 10. A lot of you know it already. In fact, you sing it. It's the verse that we sing oftentimes. I shall come forth... As gold. Okay, did Job grow, improve, and mature through his trials and temptations? Per Job twenty three ten, how did Job personally view all that he went through? Okay, how does he view it? He saw he saw it as something he would come through. I shall come forth. I'll make it through. I'll get through it okay? He saw it as something that would make him better. I will come forth as gold. I will be improved. He actually grew through it all by not moving away from the Lord in any way for any time. Did he, have, did he have doubts? Did he have questions for the Lord? Yes, but he did not sin with his lips, nor did he accuse God foolishly. Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. Are you opposed to me? What's going on? But he did not move in his faith, Though he struggled, though he was had difficult moments, he remained loyal to the Lord. He had to be rebuked. Remember, you, know, you, you said to God, you wouldn't do it the way that I'm doing it. But who are you? Do you know? Were you there when I put the stars and all that whole discussion? But the whole idea, Job did grow. Then there's the final section in this book, in this paragraph uh, section the final paragraph, that rewards temptations, give an opportunity for rewards. And they point out the verse, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them. What promise is given to those who are successful in enduring temptations, not giving in to sin, the prospect of a literal crown being given in heaven to you who are faithful in that, in that area that's promised by the Lord, they're given to those who love the Lord, they're given to those who in love, they choose to remain obedient and faithful to the Lord. So you help that person to understand all this. There's a, there is a literal reward that's going to take place in heaven one day. So although God is not the author of sin, he does not tempt anyone to sin, he can use them for our good. As such temptations, uh, temptations do not exist due to God's negligence. I like that phrase. I liked how they stated that. Temptations do not exist due to God's negligence but are another evidence of his greatness and his goodness. Swallow that. Think that through. Chew on it. How do temptations show the greatness of God? What men mean for evil? God can bring good out of it. Okay? God's greatness, that he can change you and me. That's powerful stuff. That's tremendous stuff. God's goodness, that he he is... is, God is good enough to you and me that he knows that we at times, the only way we're going to grow is go through difficulties. And he is so good to us that he what? If the only way we're going to grow is go through those difficulties... He lets us go through the difficulties. As a parent, when you see your kids going through difficulties, what's your initial reaction? What do you want to do? You want to protect them. You want to spare them. You want, to, you want them to avoid the difficulty. God is so good that he will allow us to have the bumps, the bruises, the aches and the pains because he is more concerned about our holiness than our happiness. That's good. That's good. We don't like it, but that's good. That's how great and good that, that Lord is. They provide the opportunity for us to choose to love Him, opportunity for obedience, opportunity for maturity, and an opportunity for us to earn merit, some rewards. That's grace. That's good. Okay, the next section Oh, I was going to tell you this story about temptations that sometimes we get in temptations. A story of a guy. He's, he's this guy who he was. I was reading in a true account of one preacher that said when he was working in the secular world that there was a guy in the office and this guy was a little bit had a weight problem and his besetting issue was donuts. Every day, come with a dozen donuts on his way to work because he drove right past the bakery that made them fresh. I'm already starting to... My stomach's starting to growl. And the donuts were there. And this guy went on a diet program. And uh, he was a believer. He went on a diet program. And he'd obviously make no provision for the flesh. He had to change his route. Had to change his route to the workplace. So he wouldn't go past his favorite donut place. And then after a few weeks, he's losing weight. Things are going good. But road construction came up. And the road construction meant... He had to take the street, and he's praying, Lord, Lord, please, please help me not to, not to succumb. But as he got closer, he said, Lord, if you really don't want me to stop, make sure there's no parking spot out in front. And guess what? There was a parking spot out front so I guess, Lord, it's okay to stop. Okay. It was the way he rationalized. He got his dozen. And because he's been so good, not only a dozen, two dozen he brought to work. Yeah, you know, because he was so proud of how, you know, after all that effort, he's going to reward himself. And they got into the conversation at lunchtime that that's not the way things should work. You know, that you need to have consistency. We we should be more like the the author went on to explain. He said, I used the illustration, little boy who was saving quarters to be able to buy a new bike. And his prayer at the end of the day after he'd been saving quarters and quarters and quarters for several weeks, he said, God, please don't let the ice cream truck come down my street until I get my bike. That's the way we need to pray. And so those are those stories. Recognizing temptation, what it is to resist temptation endure endure trials. It's essential we understand where they come from. And this next section talks about trials basically come from three different areas. The three different areas is us, okay, self, the world, society, or Satan. Okay? So let's talk just for a few minutes and wrap up the flesh. That's you. That's me. Okay? You're talking with that baby Christian. You're saying, Dad, here's, here's where temptations often come from within yourself. And the reality is, we are often our own worst enemies. Do you find that true? Yeah, me, when I first got saved, it, you know, it wasn't my friends that I struggled with so much you know, and stopping some of the things. What I struggled more with is me you me losing my temper yet me wanting to desire things me it was more of me being the problem than all my friends and all those other things it was it was really cool for me and easy when I first got saved to say I don't need to do the smoking the drinking anymore I don't need to do that but I still struggled with me my attitude my thought life those were real battles and they didn't come from outside, they came from inside. So that's what we're going to pick up next week. We'll stop because if I get into it for just a couple of minutes, I'll never stop. Okay, I need to have some discipline, yeah, you know, in that sense of, otherwise I'll, I'll keep buying donuts after donuts after donuts and giving you more and going along. Let's stop right there. Father, thank you so much for these folk, for their kindness, for their attentiveness. Lord, some of this stuff was really, 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 really heavier theology. And they're going to need wisdom to explain, even as one of our men asked last week, how do I explain this to my nine-year-old? But that's tough. We need wisdom to explain these three realities of why you allow troubles, temptations, difficulties, all those issues. And yet there is some real blessings to show your goodness and greatness. Help us to have the words to be able to say why, to help explain the what. And to understand this is how you set things up in your grace and in your goodness. And one day you'll show how fabulous you are by removing them. Until then, help us to remain loyal and faithful to you, we pray in Jesus' name.